Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo Podcast. My name is Philip Mewson, and today I'm joined by Pear Schneider, Brian hey, Altano, what's up? and Zachary Ryan. And Kirby. And Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> We're live. We're live today. We're it's live. Thursday, 3 p.m., 
uh, Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern, if you live on the East Coast. And yes, we are doing NVC live. One time only, a limited engagement. Ah, but no. Nay, I say. (laughs) This is not a Ah, one-time thing. No, no, no. no. Actually, we are going to be taking the podcast live from here on out. Oh, my God. Every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. Wow. Exclusively. Uh-huh. Except if nobody watches. Yeah, unless yeah, nobody watches, yeah, then yeah. we're probably just going to cut this out. Right. But, uh, yeah, no, this is <laughs> we'll just go back to doing whatever it is. IGN.com. So make sure if you want to hang out with us live every single week, make sure you show up on IGN.com and you can hang out with us in the chat. Just like everyone who's here right now with us right now in the chat is doing so definitely do that yeah but if you do like watching it pre-recorded we're of course going to keep uploading um every friday on youtube as well as your favorite podcast listening services as well same time same places everywhere right so people are not missing out but but you get the show early here And I have to be more mindful. It's almost like a Patreon, only... I can be careful with the potty mouth stuff. Yeah, yeah, we can't redo anything, so when we mess up... um, They can't add the animal sounds. have seen it. Or the Kirby Kirby fart noises. See, I'm already doing it. It's really hard for the crew in the control room, because little does the audience know, my beard is actually digital, so to see that live is very difficult, especially when I do something like this. Zach always wanted a beard, and he was in a horrible accident a few years ago, which caused him to lose it, and so they've been working extra hard in the back room to make sure he Beard only grows on the left hand side of my face. It's very hey guys, what about yeah. They also they keep my head <laughs> left. bald. It's called left beard. So. What, what, what about the Nintendo stuff? Yeah, let's do, do it. Oh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're doing yeah. good. Oh, no, okay, okay. We, we do have yeah, a lot yeah. to talk about. Yeah. We've got some uh, people here or people out at PAX that are covering Nintendo for us, specifically Dark Souls, which I know you're all excited about. We're very excited about mm-hmm. playing it on Switch finally, as well as Wolfenstein, which we'll be talking about both of those games later in the show. Uh, we've also got some Pokemon stuff to talk about. There's been some leaks. There's been some um, trademark filings that you know look a little suspicious, um, as well as the newly announced Firewatch and Don't Starve uh, yeah. kind of Switch. Yeah, right. it's very right. exciting. But before we get all into all of that, let's jump back over to the leaked Pokemon screenshot that showed up uh, earlier in the week, actually, which was a very big surprise to a lot of people. Now, this yeah. sort of um, started making the rounds behind the scenes on Chinese Chinese message boards online, and then it sort of surfaced through Twitter um, by... There it is. <laughs> the username. Yeah, there it is. There's the oh. screenshot right there. Ah, uh, yes. Um, it's got a lot of proof. It's got a lot of people uh, a little worried. It's got a lot of people sort well, hold on. of concerned. First, first of all, you can clearly see Bigfoot, Bigfoot slowly walking in the background. Yeah. Yes. Right? There's a lot of uh, things in here that raise suspicion. Is yeah. this the first time that a screenshot of a game that's already out, namely Ultra Sun and Moon, has leaked? <laughs> first time? Yeah. yeah, that's what yeah. a lot of people are saying. Um, but, you know, sources uh, seem to claim that this is actually a legit screenshot of Pokemon running on Switch. Mm. Um, but I kind of want to ask you guys as well as the chat and uh, you know, are our are our expectations set a little too high for Pokemon on Switch? Because I want to know, like, what happens if Pokemon Switch comes out or we see the reveal and it's literally just what we've been playing on 3DS? Oh, I know what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. It would sell a couple million copies. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it would still sell like crazy, but I personally would be disappointed. I mean, I'm looking more for a traditional, like... 3D RPG, like something more akin to what you would see with uh, Xenoblade, right? Really? Totally. I oh. want something. I want something big and beautiful and like full blown. Not, not the 3DS art style. Not the 3DS graphic system. Like I want 
a a game built from the ground up for a Nintendo Switch in glorious so, HD. So not a creature slash Game Freak game then, because I I honestly think I think Pokemon on Switch will be more of an Animal Crossing like presentation or something more in line with what we saw on the new on the 3DS. I mean recently. I think art directions I mean, art direction wise, I'd like to see it revamped. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I or, or I'm sorry, I said that I said that backwards. Art direction wise, I would like to see what we've come to know and love of Pokemon, yeah. but. Asset wise, I want to see assets built from the ground up for Switch in HD. Like right, I, I, right. I don't, I don't necessarily want to see the same sort of chibi style um, stuff that you would see on the 3DS. Like if I'm playing yeah. Pokemon on Switch, like this looks really great, but imagine if it was yeah. like full blown, like glorious HD on on Switch. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, that's the thing too. Is the footage you guys are seeing that actually right looks now really good? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. footage you're, you're seeing right now is actually um, of Pokemon Sun and Moon running off of the Citra emulator yes. uh, for PCs, God. which you can totally uh, up-res the game up to 4K, and you can see right there that the textures, okay. um, you know, and the sprites are already ready to be um, up res yeah. for whatever reason. They're already ready yeah. already. Well, because already when, when you filter something <laughs> through the 3DS's screen, it's so incredibly low res that you you know you could put the best looking movie in the world on that. Okay, this looks look dope. Now good. that I've said that and I'm looking at this, like I might be reconsidering. Yeah, yeah this looks also, pretty I, damn good. I think, I, think, I think this is what the leaked screenshot is. I though, totally agree. And it's also like, like from it, Citra? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys wanted, Doctor. we all wanted Nintendo's consoles and handhelds to come together in one device, right? And they did it. So yeah. now you're going to get some handheld Pokemons. You know, I wouldn't mind if the game looked like that as long as they just fleshed it out, made it a bigger game with sure. like more open environments. Um, and then and a Battle Royale mode. A Battle Royale mode. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, but more, most importantly, I just want like more online stuff. I yeah. want to see people like walking around that world. I want it to be almost oh. like an MMO. I don't think it's going to, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't want to sound like a pessimist here, but I do sound like a pessimist here. Uh, I, I don't think that's what we're going to get. I don't think we're going to get the, the MMO or the kind of like bigger multiplayer game. And I don't think we'll see this jump in visual fidelity like a Xenoblade. Um, I, I, you know, I've been around long enough to cover Pokemon games where we always said like, so now that they're on a new platform, each Pokemon will say their voice, their, their name, just like in the cartoon and like nope they went like for years and years and years even though you know the the system had the capability to store the uh, voice samples well you do that can you do that again Perfect. That's well, uh, right? I think that's Kazooie. Battle yeah. mode, uh, Bainbridge in the chat says Pokemon has to be on the level of Mario and Zelda. So, I mean, I would love to see a Pokemon Switch game come out that does like you know, yeah, really ramps game, it up, yeah, yeah, and change changes sort of the way we uh, knew Pokemon and and just reinvents the franchise. We for talked, the I love that. We talked a little bit about it last week about Detective Pikachu in that like the way that I you know I'm a fair weather Pokemon fan. The games come out and I play the games to like the through line through the main plot. I get all my badges and then I say, great, I had a really nice time with Pokemon yep. this time around. I'll see you again in a few years. Um, um, but essentially you're playing I feel like I've played the same Pokemon game iteratively since 1998 right yeah, since totally. since Pokemon Red and Blue so like I, I'm with you Philip like I, I want to see if they're bringing it the first console version of this this franchise like I want to see them bring it like I want to see them bring something completely new and different regardless of what Paris I, I, yeah I totally respect that I just I, I feel wanted to naysayer. I'm just saying yeah I have to. no I, I feel like we have to we have to like Get a little realistic here sometimes because I think we're we're at the point now where Zach's allergic to realism. We're at the point now <laughs> where realism. Uh, 
our expectations are that every time Nintendo brings a, a franchise to Switch, it's reinventing the wheel. It's like Breath of the Wild. And that's, I, mean, I think that right? that's probably expecting a lot. I don't know. I don't feel necessarily like Super Mario Odyssey reinvented what Mario was. I mean, it, I feel like it totally did. Boy, because he could do a role? No, because you could, you could wear like a hunt, you could become like a thousand different things in that game. It lets you interact with the 3D world in, in, in ways no other Mario. This is did. actually, this is a good moment. It's been a while since I talked about this, but uh, I would love to, for a Pokio game. Just a whole game based around the Pokio transformation. It's been a few months since I've mentioned that, so this is another if, opportunity yeah. to bring that up again. If, yeah, yeah, that's the little bird with a peaky yeah. Pinocchio yeah, yeah, nose, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would dig yeah. that too. I'm, I'm, maybe they'll make that. I don't know. I just, I think it's like, there's, there are, there are franchises that need to be completely remade. Um, I think Zelda had a significant amount of fatigue. I think with Mario, they moved the needle just enough. We also hadn't really gotten like a truly 3D Mario game in a while. Okay, that's fair. Um, with Pokemon, it's like, it's kind of a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of situation for a lot of people. So, I mean, I'd be all for a reinvention of that franchise, but also if we get something that's like pretty straightforward, but just runs and looks really great on Switch, um, I don't think there's anything super wrong with that. I think if they were mm-hmm. ever going to reinvent it, now would be the time to do it. Because yeah. it would essentially be the first time that a, a, like a mainline Pokemon <laughs> core RPG, yeah, mm-hmm. is going to, Objection. um, <laughs> is going to, uh, essentially a home console. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's lived on 3DS and Game Boy and all these like Nintendo handhelds for so long. And now like we have an opportunity to play it in full 1080p. So I guess, I guess I'd, I'd really say the, I'd say the right time is when the 3DS is dead. Then you can right. redo okay. it completely. As that's a that's game, what I was right? gonna say. If not now, when? So yeah. I mean, if you think that that, but I also don't think the 3DS will ever die at this point. Like eventually yep. they'll stop making games for it. But I mean, I'm I'm assuming, given that we're seeing announcements of 3DS games coming into 2019, I doubt that that's the end. I mean, as long as people are still buying 3DS games, they're gonna make them. So it felt like the reveal for this game, which was a guy at a desk <laughs> for the logo, <laughs> that was great. Yeah, um, you know, Pokemon. Yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty like. Pretty, pretty lo-fi, right? But also it felt like there was so little to show us that be- because of that, there has to be so much more hiding. Totally. You know? Like, I feel like if they were just like, it's another 3DS Pokemon game, but now it's on a slightly bigger screen, they would have been like, oh, it's it's Pokemon, you know, rock, paper, scissors, or whatever they want to call it. Yeah. Uh, well, <gasps> confirmed! Um, oh, man, I shouldn't have let that slipped up in our first live show here. Man. <laughs> just, just babbling all over the place. No, so, I yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you guys in that, like, uh, maybe there is something more magical hiding behind the curtain, but uh, I think we still do have to understand that at the end of the day, Nintendo is going to put a bunch of games on Switch, mm. and I don't think every single one of them has to be reinventing the wheel. Look at Kirby. Zach was just playing it. It's yep. it's, it's true. Certainly Kirby. Yeah, well, that game is Kirby as hell. Yeah, it's Kirby yeah. as hell. There yeah. was uh, there was actually another Pokemon trademark found by Cerebi.net uh, on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, and it was for Pokemon Rumble, or actually Pokemon Scramble, which is how it's called in uh, Japan. So, like, that is in existence. You know, like, that trademark has been filed and now people are thinking okay well maybe maybe we're getting more uh Pokemon games other than this like mainline Pokemon game on right. Switch which yeah. would make total sense yeah. it wouldn't be the first time we got Pokemon Rumble on a home console that was on Wii U as well right mm-hmm. so yeah. it would only make sense for them to naturally start pouring out the franchise onto the new console yeah we already Pokemon. have a Pokemon spin-off on Switch right now yeah. exactly wait Oh, Pockin. But yep, speaking yeah. of highly popular <laughs> like, and... Uh, Pikachu's not on Switch? 
<laughs> Speaking of highly popular and exciting games that are just around the corner, um, Dark Souls Remastered has a bunch of new info for the Switch version. Uh, recently, we heard that the Switch version will be running at 1080p 30 frames per second while docked and 720p 30 frames per second while undocked, whereas like the PS4 Pro and the Xbox and PC can go up to 4K 60 yep. frames per second, yep. which yep. is, you know, that's nice. It's great to have that, but I... I personally would rather have Dark Souls at 30 frames per second running at 1080 or uh, 720p, 1080p, whatever, and have a portable version of it that I can take on the go. Yeah. You know, especially like for the remastered version, you know, the second time around, because I played it for the you know, a while ago, years ago yeah. when yeah. it originally came out. So I want to ask you guys, as well as the chat, um, what do you value more? Like is the is the portability factor of Switch uh, a fair trade for performance like of, you know, 4K graphics or... I- uh, full, you know, 60 frames per second frame rate on 1080p. The mm-hmm. game is already up-resed, mm-hmm. right? Like, it already looks better than the original Dark Souls, and yeah. it has a frame rate that is smoother than the original Dark Souls. Like, I- I'm totally fine to take that uh, and have it portable and play it, you know, wherever I please uh, than to have it look like the most amazing version of this game that exists. Like, yeah. uh, I-, I don't know, it's sort of... Um, uh, Function or fashion over function, right? Or mm-hmm. it's it's Skyrim, right? Like if you were motivated by Skyrim on the on the Switch and take it with you, uh, you could have gotten a more beautiful version by playing it on consoles or PC with mods and everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, with the special edition. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. I'm I'm kind of torn because I just I just replayed Bloodborne twice and I'm playing it on my on my PlayStation Four Pro. Yep. Um, but Bloodborne never got a Pro patch. It never got a 4K patch. So it's just, which is baffling. It's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. They just stopped working on that game in like late 2015 or early 2016, mm-hmm. whenever it was. It's been a couple of years. Um, and so I started up again. And I'm like, I still love this game, but a big part of me was kind of like something's like it could it could be better you know it could be running it's a little stuttery at times it's it gets a little blurry at times so i'm sort of torn because i'm like i want to play a game like this on my 65 inch television but also like i don't know it'd be cool to just sit on the couch and just kind of curl up and play dark souls that's so cool like or get on the airplane and play it so mm. curl up suggests that you're comfortable playing dark souls and not getting <laughs> your butt kicked but that's and, true that's yeah. it, you're you're more like up and tense yeah. and shaking like, and screaming yeah i mean that's the only thing that's hurting that's the only thing that really freaks me out about <laughs> taking dark souls on the road is just uh, i'm thing. really inviting people in yes. to see my mania when i play mm-hmm. that style of game mm-hmm. you know like I, the idea of playing it on a plane is very appealing to me as somebody that loves dark souls and it's like great now i can play it anywhere but it's very unappealing to anyone within like a 20 foot radius of right and when you throw your playstation controller it doesn't cost <laughs> you three hundred dollars yeah, yeah. You know, when uh, unless you hit the tv we'll i think i told this story on beyond but when i when i played dark souls 3 specifically i i have this like swing back chair like it's like almost like a camp chair but it's leather yeah. that i have in my room and i set it up like diagonal from me because i would get so angry playing dark souls 3 that it was so satisfying to just whip my playstation <laughs> controller into the chair because it was the you know cushion it as it landed but uh-huh. like yeah i mean it was it was perfect now, i i did link together with you zach i know some of the noises you're making yeah, we died on Thunderbike Ganon like 50 times and by the end Zach was like ooh <laughs> I, I look forward to the headlines yeah. young George Lucas arrested for excessive cursing on subway we'll see it yeah that's perfect hey I, I hate to do a little inside baseball here but um, uh, control room can we get the timer running in our uh, our monitor up here uh, the um, uh, good good yeah, yeah. yeah this is you know great. what I'm talking about yeah sorry yeah. anyway <laughs> 
Just a reminder, we are live uh, right now on IGN.com, as we will be every Thursday at 3 p.m. So make sure you're watching on IGN.com on Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern time if you want to catch the show early. If not, then you can just watch us the next day on Friday late um, with the rest of you know, you'll miss the all the hot scoops yeah, hot yeah no it, you, you miss like Zach addressing the control room which is only in the live version right edit that out exactly it'll yeah. be fine okay. everybody was, knows we do a show it's cool I, like to be completely transparent when I first found, found out we're going live I'm like man I wonder what like the actual like sort of content advantage of that is and I was thinking about it uh, new games launch on Switch on Thursdays yep. yeah. we've played them in advance and you're sitting there on Thursday night with all your money plugged into your Switch and you want to buy a bunch of stuff and you don't know what's good and bad uh, we can Hopefully, get that conversation to you sooner. So now and you'll know. Direct hit on Thursdays. Last time it hit on Thursday, remember? Yeah, and exactly. so hopefully we'll be able to get you the reactions and the news a little faster. Yeah, yeah totally. Perfect. Lots of fun. Um, the one unfortunate thing, though, about going live is that uh, we weren't able to grab the B-roll for the Switch version of Wolfenstein, which is what I believe Alana and Marty are playing right now. Right. Mm-hmm. But I did get a chance to see some of it in action. Now, did you get a chance? I think Zach yeah. Talked, yeah, yeah, right? I watched it too. So, yeah. So, okay. Okay, cool. It, I mean, uh, the conversation around it right now is that, oh, it looks even better than Doom, mm-hmm. which is fine. Yeah. Uh, that game looked better than Doom, like, to me, you know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that, totally. That's, you know, like, I, I don't think it's, like, out of the realm of possibility here that it, it looks better on Switch than Doom looks on Switch because it looked better on PlayStation 4 than Doom yes. looked on, than yeah. Doom looked on PlayStation 4. Yeah, so. it came almost, what, two, a year or two later. Yeah, so. I mean, it's the same engine, but they had more time to learn the ins and outs of that system. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a great looking game. So, uh, it doesn't surprise me that it looks better on Switch. Yeah. I'm just, you know, it was my second favorite game of last year, and I'm oh. really excited to, to, in the same way of playing Dark Souls, like, I'm stoked to play that game again and take it on the road. I yeah. know, I had too many Germans in it for me. Yeah, so many Germans. No, I don't enjoy Germans. <laughs> now, are you guys your peoples. Gonna, are you guys gonna be okay with, like, a sort of scaling resolution for, um, Wolfenstein? And- uh, yeah, I, I- yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say I hope I hope there's a, a few more options this time around in terms of like um, pushing and pulling sort of the quality of all of that. I know like Doom had some stuff when you lifted up the hood a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate that those those kind of things. Just sort of even if it's like draw distance or frame rate pop in anything like that. You know? I'll be honest. I play the the kind of the high performance games like games that are designed to dazzle you with their visuals. Like you know the the big first person shooters coming out. You know games like Far Cry, Assassin's Creed. I always want to play them on the most powerful hardware. Yeah. So like I have a hard time. Like I I will buy these games when they come out new for Xbox One X or for my PS4 Pro. Uh, and then probably will skip the Switch version unless it is a game like like an Elder Scrolls game or Fallout or something like that. We're just spending so many hours that you're like. You know what? I want to take it with me and play it on the go because I will have more time on trips or when sitting in an airplane. Yeah, totally makes sense. Totally. Uh, Both Nowhere Star 14 and Zero Pulse agree. Um, Zero Pulse said, I think the portability is worth the trade-off. I play most games portable and Nowhere Star says, yes, I'd rather uh, have a thing that I can take with me than being stuck in my living room playing with slightly better visuals. I think think that's the general consensus of the Switch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Because it's good enough. It's not like back in the Wii age where the resolution was so blurry that you there was a real difference between yep. Call of Duty Wii and on the next platform. My, my go-to example for that is always Dead Rising Chop Till You Drop. Yeah. Did any of you guys play that? That is no, the, that Wii, the, the Wii game. Yeah. It's the, yeah. Wii the Wii port of the yeah, Xbox right. 360's yeah. Dead Rising. There were no zombies in it. In yeah, the, the entire <laughs> the, the crux of that game was fighting massive waves of yep. zombies, and you would like walk out of the mall, and there'd just be like six guys like, hey. <laughs> oh, they're talking. And that's it. Hey. That's it. But you also, I mean, <laughs> this is obviously 
sort of off topic, but you also got things where people had to circumvent that stuff sort of creatively. Like, uh, the, the Wii version of the Ghostbusters game was a completely different game. Like, completely different art style. Well, it's, uh, it was the same, same game, game, but they but, well, redid other yeah. graphics. But then like you look at something graphics. like, um, Dead Space Extraction. Dead Space Extraction is cool. Which was really was cool. And that's them saying, like, okay, obviously we can't run the full version of this game, yep. so let's pare it down. Make an- it was actually really cool because it reminded me a lot of, uh, the kind of stuff we saw very early on mm. in video games, period. Like, in the console wars, where people would take, like, the arcade version of Contra and Double Dragon uh, versus the home versions of those games are almost completely different games. Yeah, you know, right, like architecturally, yeah. they're just very different. Yeah. Even like the port of Aladdin for Super Nintendo and Genesis are co- vastly different games. Completely different dev yeah. teams, both really good. That's yeah, it's really cool really when like you get to see yeah. stuff like that. So, yep. yeah. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm very excited about the newly announced Firewatch Switch version. That, that was, was a cool surprise. Yeah. This, yeah. Uh, In your face. This morning. Yeah. How many of you guys played through the whole game? I, I beat did. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not very long, um, but it's not very interesting. Oh, here we go. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So just to put things into perspective here, a lot of us on this side of the table here like the game, whereas some of us on that side of the table don't. Well, hold on. I don't, I'm not going to go as far as Zach did because I will yeah, say, Brian yeah, the haters. No, I will say that, um, when I first, when I first finished that game, I was kind of like, that's it. Yeah. Like I, I don't know what I expected. Um, to, uh, don't don't spoil it. Obviously, no, 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 I, I want fans. So, but it's not like what you expect from a video game ending. No, not at all. Right. In fact, in many ways, I was like, I kind of wish that was like a short film I had watched. Yeah. Um, Firewatch is a sort of uh, kind of not really. It's sort of like a, a camp counselor simulator game almost. No, right? Like a mystery. It's, it's a, a mystery. It's a death um, mystery. And the art direction is very simple and uh, very minimalist. But the game is the setting is really cool in terms of like you are basically on this mountain and you're trying to solve a situation that happened and that is resolved within a few hours and between all of that I think the coolest thing about this game is that the main character brings a personal story into it it has yeah it has one of the it, best interests I've yeah, ever and, it's, in and it's just there's a ton of weight to that personality uh, that I think is really interesting about it and the, the voice acting is fantastic I, I think when you're actually playing the game you're not really doing a ton of stuff but that's most kind so of walking simulator let me clarify I think Campo Santo uh, I think as a team they are an incredibly talented team I mm-hmm. think this game showcases some really brilliant performances and I think the story is very interesting I think the stuff that you do as a game is boring mm-hmm. yeah. it just it took yeah, me fair enough yeah. it took me I felt like I was trudging through the game to get to the next bit of story and like I enjoyed the story and I thought it was good. I like you, I would have much rather watched this movie. Yeah. Than and so play it, this it's game. actually like, it's there's a significant amount of backtracking and stuff like that. But I will say that the game ended and I kind of stared at my TV and was like, Oh, that was it. And then I gave it some time and I thought about I thought about the story beats and I was like, Oh man, that's actually it was really, really special. I, once I was removed I really from the, it. once I was removed from sort of the, the, I would say the trudge of kind of like moving around. I mean, even this character that you play as feels sort of like Wreck It Ralph. Like he's just like this big guy with <laughs> yeah. big hands. Bulky. And, and like the art style is the, the design is by Ollie Moss, who creates yeah. amazing yeah. posters that are incredibly hard to find. I still want those Star Wars posters. Those posters you have are a couple dope. of yeah, thousand bucks for me. But what I like about this game, and I'm actually not a fan of walking simulators. Walking simulators sounds like, just the name sounds like a horrible genre. Right, like Gone to the Rapture, a game where it's like I get bored because it's just kind of like it's a little bit like the um, 
you're walking down the street and you get a story read to you and like there's not like the mystery unfolds and it's more like a graphic novel style setup but like there's not a lot to do and I felt like this game actually added a lot of mm. stuff to do with like kind of like the interaction with the uh, the tools that you have the talking to the person on the other side of the line witnessing something weird in the distance like a lot of the walking to simulate stuff very devoid of life and this one had like a weird kind of lost style vibe and mystery going on and like yeah, little yeah. stand by me in it and um you saw this uh, the version that was running there that's not the switch version no 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 the developer is saying they're going back they're redesigning the game from the studs uh so that it runs smoother and so it 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 loads faster streams faster as well so that was my my one problem with the original was it chopped up and like it kind of took you out of the experience i just right. the atmosphere and like the performance is so natural and awesome yeah no you they're know? you can't help but like the banter and the interaction. See, if we're, I, sorry, yeah. go ahead. I side with you, Pear. Like, yeah. I am totally not a fan of walking simulators at all. I, I find them rather boring. But Firewatch's story just kept me so hooked. Mm-hmm. Like, even though the gameplay, like, you know, minute-to-minute gameplay itself wasn't that exciting, like, the sort of, like chase of finding out what the mystery was and like what this game was going to turn into felt really exciting for me and it mm. kept me compelled to play through the entire uh, story and even though it only took me like I think it took me maybe five hours yeah. four hours uh, to get through the entire thing and the ending was a little underwhelming I was still glad that I had that experience because I feel like this is one of those games that does it really well like yeah. if you're going to play a walking simulator Firewatch is a good walking simulator to play this yeah. game to me was fine I wish given Annapurna's support of the Switch and what they've got coming Coming, um, I wish we were getting What Remains of Youth Finch. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I, that game struck a more resonant chord with me. Uh, a bit of so, month. Yeah, maybe so. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Well, Don't Starve was also announced yep. uh, this morning for Switch as well. Uh, I put a little bit of time of this uh, into this game on Vita, so mm-hmm. I have had like that portable experience with it, and I think it makes for just a great like you know survival portable game, yeah. like quick fix, pick up and play for like ten fifteen minutes, and then jump right out. Yep, like that's the kind of game it is. So we're me. getting we're not getting the Don't Starve Together version, right? So it's not the two player one. We're getting like the special edition, so it has the the uh, t- uh, two DLC packs like Reign of the Giants, Reign of Giants, and uh, Shipwrecked. Shipwrecked. Yeah. Um, I, I know this game mostly from my son who absolutely obsessed over it and it was the only thing he played every day. Cool art stuff. For, for weeks and weeks and weeks and it has this very Tim Burton-esque design yes. for the creatures. It starts you off in, in a very kind of brutal way where it doesn't tell you anything and like, you know, you have to figure out how to survive once darkness falls and use campfires and all that. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what's out there. So the less you know about what is actually in the game, the better when you approach it because you want that surprise and then your, you know, how you struggle to figure out how to survive in yeah, this hostile environment. that's exactly it. And I think that like I had some really great memories when this game first came out because so little was known about it and there was that kind of community <laughs> of playing with other people and being like, what are we doing? Like, what? It felt like the early days of Minecraft before they put all the crafting stuff in the menus and basically just Did, like, didn't you, know what you could do. You didn't know what you could exactly. do. And yeah. then like I remember looking over at coworkers who were also playing it and being like, oh man, you built you built an entire camp. Like, or, you know, you, you, you're cooking, you're you're, you're you're, you're making tools, all this, all this crazy stuff. And so, uh, that's, your mileage will vary depending on how much you're into that. If you want a game that's a lot more straightforward and a little more handholdy, um, this will push you away. Cause it is pretty, pretty damn difficult. It's survival yeah, it animal is. crossing in a way, right? Like yes. you're figuring out what <laughs> yeah. the game systems are and learning more and more about it. Mm-hmm. And it has like, it has a real dark side to it too. That's hence the Tim Burton esque. Yeah, game. there's like a, when it, yeah. when it turns to night in this game, it, it's, <laughs> pretty damn horrifying. It's terrifying. And I know there are people like either you play this game for like an hour or you play this game for a hundred hours. Like yeah. I've, I know very few people who are right in the middle. So yeah. 
Now we got to move on to the next segment, but before we do, I just want to mention uh, one more game was also announced uh, this morning. It's called Toki. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pear knows a little bit about this. Well, game. that's uh, in Japan. It came out as Juju Densetsu. It's uh, it was made by TAD back in 1989. Actually, an arcade game, a uh, really weird side-scroller shooter where like a man gets transformed into an ape and he can shoot out of his mouth. Yes, we don't oh. know what it is. We don't know what it is. He's shooting uh, orbs, and it's like it has kind of like uh, think of like the jungle hunt kind of side-scrolling swimming. Um, perspective, uh, side-scrolling jumping. I always felt that game was a little slow. Yeah, the character moves really slowly, but it was it it has its following, and the new version is uh, completely redone by um, Microids, right? In in France, right? Yeah, uh, actually, the designer worked on the Amiga port back th- uh, like many many years ago, so it actually looks more like Rayman. Like it has these really uh, very cool. French looking, beautifully designed games. So I'm actually looking forward to so like if they make it play a little fast, like Rayman Legends, Rayman yeah. Origins. Oh, that's yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah, that's like really kind of intricate hand drawn look to it. And this is not to be confused with Toki Tori. No. No, not, two, the, not just the bird can sword. jump game. Yeah, no. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but another thing that was announced earlier this week in Osaka, GDC Osaka to be specific, was the Nintendo bezel engine. Oh, so. Now, this is something I'm very excited about. I'm really, really excited. It's actually essentially uh, Nintendo's new middleware software. Uh, the developers... That is exciting, Philip. I th- you know, I think it is exciting, <laughs> okay, especially right. for um, you know, like long-term, I, you know, when you think about Switch and, you know, more third parties jumping on, this is just going to make it a lot easier for people to start developing for Switch and making games that are specific to the Switch, mm-hmm. uh, more importantly. So, like, yeah, it's just like Unreal Engine 4 or any other game engine, like Unity. Um, this is a tool that developers can use, uh, you know, whether it's a one-man team or a 400-man team, it doesn't really matter. Um, they can use this software to sort of create their own games that are specific to how uh, the Switch works. So we'll probably start seeing more games that run like Odyssey, like Mario Odyssey did, where it's like 1080p, 60 frames yeah. per second. Like, this is what that leads to. Now, Nintendo did um, comment, Nintendo has a face as a software maker that delivers the various game titles, the Delivers the various game titles to customers, but it also but it is also a platform holder that provides development environments to game developers. Among them, we have asked developers of games for the Nintendo platform to provide an environment that can create interesting games in a short period of time while keeping development costs as low as possible. We are developing and offering. In this session, we introduce the concepts and features of NintendoWare Bezel Engine and the points we focused on during development. Interesting. Yeah. So, so I mean, the the good news is. Um, not not every development team can can uh, build their own engines and program to the metal, as it were, right? Yeah. Like if you guys go back to our interview with Julian uh, from Factor Five here, right? Those mm-hmm. guys like to like spend a lot of time creating their own sound engines, their own graphics engines, and you get games out of that that look really beautiful. But a two man team can't do it. A ten man man team usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so it's great to have more support. We have seen a lot of games ported to Switch very quickly from PC because of the Unity engine that they were built on on PC. So that's awesome that Unity runs on Switch, but there are limitations, and you can you can kind of spot the Unity chug sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Like you get a side scroller, and you're like, it's not pushing complicated visuals, but it's still slowing down. Yeah, and like yeah. I'm hoping that you know the bezel engine will will make it easier for um for companies to realize their vision without having to spend that much time. What's great too is that there is no specific standard for how much a Switch game costs, right? I mean, first party stuff is fifty nine ninety nine generally, right? Or it's a little bit cheaper sometimes. Yeah. But for the most part, when you jump on the online store 
when you go in the Switch eShop, which you know, many of us do like every 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 other day, and just poke around, some games are one ninety nine, some games are fifty nine ninety nine. There's mm-hmm. special editions for one hundred twenty nine ninety nine. So you can basically you go in that up. No, there are. It's like no, the, it's the NBA games. I know. Uh, so, but you can go in there and be like, I have an idea for a game that's, but it's a $10 game, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, or it's a $20 game or $15 game. Like the, the sort of the, the space in which a game exists now has changed dynamically to the point where if you, like I bought a game called Mom Hit My Game. And it's on Switch, mm-hmm. and it's really fun. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, it's like it's WarioWare yeah. sequences. It's it's very yeah. WarioWare. Yeah. It's support of an iPhone game, and it's, it's on 3DS too. It's on 3DS as well. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that like you know wouldn't exist in a, re- a retail shop. It it would die in, on the shelf, you know. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't sell it for 30, 40 bucks, but it was just a couple bucks, and I bought it. And I imagine creating tools to get people to get products like that out quicker, where they're like, I have a quick idea. It's not necessarily a 10 hour game. It's not maybe even a, a two hour game, but it's just a couple bucks and I want to get it out there. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what this is all about, you know? And I think Nintendo creating a platform for that, um, and making the ease of development better for everybody involved is, is fantastic news, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's not like the Switch has a problem with getting games right now, but <laughs> damn, like, no, let's get more, not. you know? Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, I want to hear a little bit about what games you guys have been playing this week. But before we get into all that, I want to hear what you guys have been playing this week as well. So let us know in the comments uh, what new games on the eShop you've been playing or if you've gone back to any other games. Uh, but our oh, that's what Pear's been playing. And Hell I've been yeah. playing it too. And that's actually our pick of the week this week. Uh, the Adventure Pals, which yeah. is a fantastic, fantastic platformer, uh, is now available on Switch. Love this game. Yes. Really. Really love this. Really game. cool. Speaking of, I mean, this this is one of those games where you don't see that Unity chug. Like, it, yeah. it just feels solid. It runs smoothly. It's got this really kind of quirky, cool art style. Uh, it rem- the way um, the <laughs> the way you move around and traverse this game and attack and stuff like that. Um, it feels very scribble knots, yeah. and I mean that in like the best <laughs> way possible. Like a scribble knots that controlled perfectly, and not the mini game collection that launched recently, which was not good. Um, but this game is really fun and really whimsical. And the cool thing about it is that uh, outside of just being a fun action platformer, is that you can level up your character, and you do that by sort of collecting things and by beating stuff up. There's a little that little blue meter you might see up there if you're watching uh levels up and when that happens you get to choose different parameters you want to change and the first thing i picked was uh to bring all of the collectibles in the game closer to you as you ran around so it just sped up the platforming and sped up everything but you can play differently and so there's different sort of animals you can attach to and co-op buddies and you go on different missions and you can run through every level and just like get to the goal or you can 100% them like I've been doing there's a very uh, old school like overworld and everything like that <laughs> look at him um, yeah I really really dig this game I didn't know a thing about it a week ago and now it's one of my favorite indies on Switch so the, it just kind of kind of came out the of the only yeah, I'll I mean, be checking this out this looks great it yeah. is it is really fun and like the the like the action of punching something it just feels really good it's like like the the feel of the game is good and the yeah. the way um uh, you know the way you can kind of uh, explore the areas, you know, it has the kind of traditional Mario secrets where you like, is that a death drop and you can see something peeking out at the bottom and you mm-hmm. know you can explore it a little bit more below. So it's very fun. The only thing about this game is it makes me a little sad about Toys R Us. Well, <laughs> Jeffrey, like, yeah, he's got the 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 yeah Jeffrey growing out of his butt there, and like, I I'm sad. yeah, but like to play devil's advocate, when Jeffrey Giraffe started looking like just this giraffe, <laughs> like it, things started going downhill for Tizzle. Oh, dude, that giraffe is awesome. You can use it to like Spider Man yourself around. The one in this game, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's so weird because they're like. <laughs> 
They're like, what's a good animal that can be a helicopter? <laughs> oh, a giraffe. <laughs> okay, sure, perfect. So it's like 2D Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. Like, he, the giraffe takes over certain functions. Yeah, yeah, I really dig it. Is there co-op in this game? Or, cause I haven't, yeah, I haven't. I think there is. Okay, I'm pretty, I haven't dug into that yet. I'm pretty sure there is, but if there is, I haven't tried it yeah, either. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's cool. You pick up different buddies. There's like a rock as well that <laughs> flies around, which is I always cool. want to be friends with a rock. Yeah. Pet rock, yeah. Super easy, that's, Brian. That's, that's so easy that's to be friends yeah, with a rock. Yeah. Just, just pick one up and start talking to him. That's right. Aww. Um, but like every week, we have a pick of the week, and now we also have a skip of the week. Uh-oh. Oh no! And this one uh, may not surprise you. I'm sure that some of you out there probably predicted this. Are you a bad enough dude to skip this game? <laughs> are you bad enough to skip this game? Because bad dudes is definitely our skip of the week. Brian's friend, The Rock, has gone missing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Hopefully I, someday. I put uh. About an hour into this game last night, I yeah. want to say, yeah, and it you was want that hour back. It was about fifty nine minutes too long. Oh boy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh boy, yeah. Um, so, I did you play the original Bad Dudes on NES? First of all, like, I don't know what's going on with the filters in this game. Did you I, just supposed to look like a CRT? Or did you get a chance to play the Switch version? No, no, no. I all right, that. so there is an option. Just to let everyone know ahead of okay, time, there good. is an option to change the filters and switch them off if you can't stand this sort of thing. Doesn't make the game look that much better though. Yeah. So let's the plot, the plot of Bad Dudes is the president gets kidnapped. And president's then, daughter gets yeah, kidnapped. President's right? daughter gets kidnapped, and then these two dudes that I guess is friends with the president. I don't know why he's friends with dudes. Would just show <laughs> bad up, dudes. Bad dudes. Yeah. They show up. Back then, bad meant good. The eighties were weird. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, our president now is friends with some bad dudes. That's, so true. that's no big deal. <laughs> bad hombres. They, they were not. There were not a lot of great Data East uh, games yes, in that era yeah. either. So yeah, I got a I got a Data East like retro console recently <laughs> that had a little collection of them, oh, and I was digging in there and I was like, oh man. Yeah, some things, you know, this is this is no NES classic, basically. Yeah. Data uh, so, East USA, that's the Boston company, Yeah, so this, this was one of those, like, co-op action arcade beat-em-up games, right? Where 70% of the game took place on moving vehicles, like trucks or trains, and you could throw bloody knives at people and stuff like that. But yeah, Bad it, dude stuff. Yeah, bad, yeah, it's the kind of stuff that bad dudes would do. But it's just not a great game, and so the, uh, the idea of having it on your Switch... Um, Maybe oh. maybe you have great memories for this. There was a couple years ago where everybody all of a sudden was like, Altered Beast is a classic. And I was like, you don't remember. Yeah, no. no, but then, so, then I mean, remember in your childhood, there were games you played that weren't that great, but maybe they were the only games you had for a couple of months. Yeah. And so you have this sense of nostalgia. And quite frankly, as a kid, you don't always know if you don't it's good or not, right? No, because I mean, there's no there's no one telling you you're wrong. There's yeah. no internet. You know, you know, to be fair, I think there is an audience for this game. It's a very yeah, niche bad audience. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, like same joke. Yeah, like if you grew up playing, you know, games like this, um, if you had bad dudes as you know friends as a child, <laughs> and literally no other game to play, um, then yeah, pick it up. Sure, it's a great you know walk down memory lane. Yeah. But if you're like all about playing human. You know, mm-hmm. good games with mm-hmm. like structure and like an actual. If you're all about playing good games. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like, there's some games that are that are so bad that they're good. You, you know, that I mean? good game yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know, but uh, check it out if if you. Uh, if, no. Yeah. No, don't check it out. out. Yeah. Skip it. Yeah. Skip no, the week. Skip it. Well, I mean, yeah, skip it. But <laughs> it's just, I, it's just nice. I just feel bad for you know for people who do like. Are you a bad enough dude game. to feel bad for this game? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, whatever. Whatever. What else? No. Yeah. That's it's okay. It's no. 
you're right. It's hard. It's hard to be like this game sucks because I, there I don't was like a time. That. There was a time when a lot of people were super excited. Oh, about totally, that totally. Game. And it's like yeah. the thing is about '90s or '80s and '90s beat 'em ups is that <laughs> some of them are, a friggin' dime a dozen. Or yeah, then, and yeah. there's there's tons of them, and some of them aged really well. Like I maintain that like Turtles in Time is a, it's a freaking awesome game. Like yeah, it's, it's still really fun. Still, still I still really think good. the like the '90s X Men arcade game is really fun. Yeah. I think the Simpsons arcade Ooh, game Simpsons is really fun. Aside from the fact that like every every enemy in that game looks like Eric Trump. It's weird. <laughs> but Bad Dudes is one of those games that did not necessarily age very well. And yeah. the same with the second half of Double Dragon when it turns into a platforming game. Yeah. I don't know. Sam Claiborne would probably be here being like, Bad Dudes is amazing. And I'm, I don't know. <laughs> it has an audience, right? Like, but All right. it does. I'm not a bad enough dude to like it. Before uh, before we take a break and mm-hmm. move to our next uh, segment where Zach's going to take over for a little something special for you guys, um, I do want to talk about one game that a lot of you probably have not heard of yet, uh, and I'm guessing that you guys haven't heard of either. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Decay of Logos. Now, this game was recently announced Made up. Doesn't exist. for Switch, mm-hmm. and I've been in touch with the developers. They sent us some exclusive uh, Switch gameplay and B-roll uh, that I cut together mixed in with the trailer, so you're actually going to... You're about to see it on screen right now of uh, the game running. And now this game is really cool because it's a Zelda-like action adventure. Hello. Game. What? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Hey, what's up, Breath of the Wild? I, I saw all your eyebrows <laughs> eyebrows go up. Oh my god! It's very, very, uh, very cool looking. Now I don't, I haven't actually played the game myself, um, but I've heard a lot about it. So it is, like I said, it's a Zelda-like game where you're, you know, playing, uh, you know, going through dungeons and you're sort of getting new weapons and armor and items. Um, and going working towards this main quest goal but the gameplay in the battle system if you're paying attention to the video is kind of similar to Dark Souls and that's oh, here the we way go. that oh, the wow. devs put it yeah so it's not meant to be like a punishing game but it's mm-hmm. definitely a challenging game it's got a ton of lore in it and it's Yo, heavily this looks dope yeah yeah, yeah. it yeah. looks really cool uh, it's heavily inspired by uh, like the Lord of the Rings franchise and like high fantasy mm-hmm. and stuff like that there I am playing it yeah, on Dreamcast it's oh, amazing Dreamcast. <laughs> I like riding horned beasts yeah, and I mean, just look, look at Schneider, age five. Look at the consoles that the devs have set up. I mean, I mean, you know these guys like know their gaming history. He's got an NES down there in the corner next to a Dreamcast, next yeah. to a Switch. So this is a really cool looking game. Thank you for uh, showing us this. I did not even know this I was. Didn't thing. know this. I didn't know this. Again. I feel yeah. like I saw this at Day of the Devs. Oh, it's really it's cool. also coming out on PS4 and Xbox yeah. and PC as well. Yeah, but the Switch version is the special one. I think cool. that's the one that's really going to take off. Um, yeah, but uh, I just wanted to get it on your radar. I want everyone to be aware of it. This is coming out this year. There's no exact set release date yet. It looks super cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's really, really interesting. Um, the graphics are obviously very, very neat. I love the art style, the art direction. But really, it's all about that Dark Souls style right. gameplay and um, Zelda-like adventure. I mean, y'all know I'm into that, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. So Love check it. that out very soon. And also, um, there should be a developer interview coming out very soon on IGN.com. So keep your eyes open for that. Um, and I'll tweet that out as soon as it's ready. Cool. But um, we're going to take a quick little break right here. And Brian Altano is going to turn into Sam Claiborne. Finally. <laughs> My dreams have come true. <laughs> and uh, Zach's got a cool little history lesson for us about Final Fantasy Six or three or one of those. Whichever. Six. Yeah. yeah. It's all the same, right? They're, they're but hang tight. And we'll Japan, see you in just in America. Just a few minutes. Listen. And we're back 
with part two of Nintendo Voice Chat, joined by none other than Sam Claiborne. Did I hear bad dudes? Yeah. yeah. No. That's yeah. something. So I heard bad dudes from the other room, and I came running. Yeah. Sam, it, it, what, what's your take on favorite? it? I mean, are you a fan? No, it's awful. Oh, okay. But you, but you right. save the president, and you fight Karnov. <laughs> Good. I feel Karnoff much better. Karnov another video game. Definitely skip of the week, then. Right. Definitely skip yeah. it, for sure. It but, stinks. Yes, yes. It's so funny, though. If you can play it for free, ever do it. Yeah. Well, there you go. If there's ever a, a free sale on it on the eShop, then yeah. then you're going to pick it up. Um, but, uh, Skip of the week. Zach, you're here to uh, tell us a little bit about an anniversary happening this That's week. That's right. Uh, this week marks the 24th anniversary of Final Fantasy Three or Final Fantasy Six, depending on when six. you played this game. Paris says it's canonically six because it's actually the sixth installment in the game. There's another three. So just yeah, but, before but it's, we it's get into it, but how crazy is it that it's the seventh Final Fantasy that came out in the United States? <laughs> Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy uh, Adventure Legend? or Legend? Yeah. That's what it was. Legend yeah. two, Legend yeah. three, Adventure, Final Fantasy two, and then Final Fantasy three or six. Uh, I didn't just bring the cartridge. I brought a full Sam, box Sam brought copy, a, a bunch of props, and the original strategy guide, the best strategy guide. Ever written not by IGN. This is an amazing guide with amazing art in it. Well, that's in, in a bit. pretty good condition for something. I, this was like, at a Nintendo c- gameplay counselor uh, place. I got it through a friend in the industry. Uh, wow. Before we Very get cool. before we get too deep into our discussion of Final Fantasy VI, uh, let's take a look at a commercial from 1994, a, te- a television spot from uh, American TV, uh, which Sam and I remember very fondly. I remember it so well. Yeah, <laughs> let's go ahead and take a look at that. Kid, show me what you got. Yeah, right. Next. Yes. Next. Ooh, scary. Fantasy 3. Do you have what it takes? Final Fantasy 3 from Squaresoft. Next. Uh, that's my, awesome. My favorite part is the guy at the end. He knows what's coming. Yeah, I've never yeah, seen totally. that commercial. It's really funny. Yeah. It's really Especially good. In Japan at the time. I, I lived in Japan. I stood in line very early in the morning to pick up Final Fantasy for uh, six. There was a down. Ah, uh, see? There was a, uh, there, there's a store in Akihabara that always sold games early and like you just showed up at the crack of dawn and you would, or sometimes at midnight and you'd get these games and I was dying to play this. This was such a mega hit there. I'm surprised you're able to find it. I have to stay in line. There was a long line going around the block, but they had plenty of copies. Nice. Well, oh, yeah. And then uh, didn't do anything for multiple days. And that day that you stood in line was April 2nd, 1994. That's that right. was the date that it was released in Japan. It came out in October in the U.S. Um, obviously, it's the sixth game in the series. Final Fantasy VI will, will denote that. Um, but it was re- originally released as Final Fantasy III in the U.S. Everybody kind of knows that whole scandal. Uh but uh, what I they might not know is that there was a tagline of no wimps. No wimps. <laughs> Mog would say. Yeah. Oh, see uh, that little t-shirt? No IGN wimps. wasn't around to review the original Final Fantasy uh, 6, uh, but we re-reviewed the GBA, the Game Boy Advance version in 2007, and uh, Jeremy Dunham, friend of the show, a yep. uh, guy we've had on the show, uh, he said about the game then, uh, it's one of the greatest games the world has ever seen. It's just as entertaining now as it was during Clinton's first term. <laughs> uh, How political we We've called this game number the number two greatest RPG of all time and the number 38 best game of all time. So obviously, big hit here in the office. You know what's um, crazy is that the number one RPG of all time that we said was, uh, it was Chrono Trigger. Yeah. And that was developed at the same time That's right. as Final Fantasy yeah. 3, yeah. 6. Uh, Came out a year later. And oversaw by the same person. Yeah. The Gooch. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Sakaguchi. Sakaguchi, colloquially known as the Gooch. The Gooch. Apparently. The Gooch son. Uh, yeah, he, so we'll, we'll talk about him in just a second. Let's, let's talk about the personnel. Um, I'll never so, be interviewing him. <laughs> I interviewed him once. Nice. Yeah. Mr. Gooch son. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> so this game was directed by Yoshinori Kitase, uh, fresh off of Final Fantasy V, who would also direct Chrono Trigger, mm-hmm. um, Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII, and he also created Kingdom Hearts, uh, mm-hmm. still works at Square. And he's the still director there? of this game. Director, right. And that's notable because he, this is the first time a Final Fantasy game wasn't directed by Sakaguchi. That's technically not true. The first game, Final Fantasy, the original, mm. was not uh, directed by Sakaguchi. And that's still the best different, Final Fantasy, so there's false. a trend here. Uh, different director, <laughs> I, different director uh, for that game. Uh, he was credited as, as, as a designer. Um, so he did produce this game, and he co- Sakaguchi did produce this game and co-wrote it with Katase-san. Um, and then there was a second director who directed the... Uh, battle situations and world map stuff and that was uh Hiroyuki Ito. Uh he's actually the creator of the active time battle system yeah. uh that was made popular in Final Fantasy 4. Um and he also was Which the Which just means that there's like a timer. Yes. Yeah. Which, yeah. So you Instead can't of just, just wait being forever. 1 2 3 4 like the characters have different timer speeds mm-hmm. depending on your status too mm-hmm. and when the bar is full then you can activate that that character. And some games still use a variation of that, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. a lot of well, uh, behind the scenes. Too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, you know, like up through the PlayStation era, the active time battle system was, or some variation I love that, that was still I very love popular. That system. Yeah. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hiroyuki Ito also was the second director for Final Fantasy XII after mm-hmm. Matsuna-san left. Uh, it's one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and then, of course, we've got this awesome character design showcased here. Well, now you can't see it, but by Yoshitaki Amano. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, music. We've done the covers for all the Final Fantasy right. games and all the art and all the character design for all Music by. Uematsu-san. You guys, in, in the U.S., you, obviously the cover art was not that. Yeah. Right? The Japanese version has that, that silhouette designed by him of the, of the walker there. Mm-hmm. It's, I have that game still. I, yeah. I kept it from way back in the 1800s. Nice. Yeah. The, way back in the <laughs> 1800s. Uh, so, Development for this game began uh, immediately after Final Fantasy V wrapped uh, and took just over a, d- a year to develop. So short. Which I put in my notes in all caps, <laughs> what? Question mark? Because that is an Ow. insanely short development cycle. So just to put it into perspective, Final Fantasy VII would take three years to develop. Uh. Final Fantasy XII took six years to develop. And then, of course, Final Fantasy XV took upwards of ten years to develop. So this game, these guys at Square really hit their stride on the Super Nintendo after four and five had hit Super Nintendo. They knew what they were doing and they created final fantasy six with a year turnaround and that game is that game is full with i mean there's so much content in that game so many characters even some optional characters which i absolutely love it's It's, interesting that you bring that up because sakaguchi and katase their approach to creating this game was to create a final fantasy where quote every character was the protagonist and one of the things that that final fantasy six is still so celebrated for is its major emphasis on narrative uh and the amount of time that it devotes to character development every character in this game even if it's a side character gets their moment in this game that explains their motivations explains their backstory makes you sometimes you feel something for those yeah exactly um makes you feel something for those characters uh and there were 14 characters except uh, for gao he's just some kid he's a feral (laughs) child i like gao a lot yeah, he's got a cool, great music for Gal, but I didn't yeah. like that character. But why he's got but, a great mullet? It's what, green. What, what, what you bringing up? What, what I thought was so impressive with that game. Not only do you have a character who you could finish the game and never have in your party, mm. but there are also those moments with Shadow, the ninja, who will just disappear. 
Yeah. Like you'll fight a battle and then he's like, I'm out of here. And then he's gone. And there's actually a, a part in the game where he's, he's, he's missing and you kind of, you wait for him and you have a choice. Do you wait or do you take yeah. off? And like, it's so stressful that a lot of players take off. But if you waited till the last five seconds, he comes back. Right. And then you but find you him later. Off, you can convince him to join your party. And it's so awesome. What happens if you take off? Um, he's gone. He dies. Yeah, he's yeah, dead. he's dead. And you know, you start the game with a main character, Tara, mm-hmm. who a uh, uh, unique uh, female lead for a Final Fantasy game at the time. First female and, uh, lead in Final Fantasy then, game, and then she disappears for a long time. Yeah, that's true. It, yeah, it's, it's you, very you're troubling. immediately Your thrown is... into you're immediately thrown into turmoil with her, and you take control of uh, Locke and Edward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's another thing. So there are 14 main characters in all, right? In this game, uh, real quick, Tara. Uh, She's a magic user that begins the game under mind control by the the evil empire here in the game. Uh, Locke, who's a treasure hunter, Celis, a formal a formal gen, former general of the empire, uh, Edgar, the king of Figaro. And she has a great voice. That's true. Uh, and by the way, we don't know how to pronounce all these names. No, that's true. Yeah, that's is all subjective. Oh, Sam yeah. and I were talking about it earlier. We were saying like, how did you pronounce these names? And then we realized that they're all fake made up names anyway, so it doesn't matter. So well, you know the correct pronunciation of most of those names, right? Garuk. It's Garuk. It's Garuk. Yeah, it's always so Garuk. So Tara's pro- correct pronunciation is Tina, because yep. the names in, were yeah, changed. Yeah, in Japan so it's When Japan. I played it, I thought it was Seris when I played it in Japanese. Oh, it was yeah. In, in, yeah, in Katakana. Tiny so Tina? maybe it's Tina. Celeste or Celeste. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. More characters. Uh, uh, Sabin, who's Edgar's brother. Cyan, who's a knight. Uh, Setzer, the owner of the world's only airship. Yep. Uh, Shadow, who's the ninja we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Realm, who's a uh, child mage. Uh, Straga, who's Realm's grandfather. Gao is that feral child. And then yep. you had three optional characters. Mog, a very cute Moogle. Love Mog. Um, Umaro, who I didn't even know existed in this game oh, until yeah. I did my research mm-hmm. for this podcast. Completely optional character. Yeah. He's a and he's a cool Yeti. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Gogo, who's a mimic. Yeah. Um, there you go. Can you see the Eddie? Yeah. So that one guy. of the things that is so endearing about these characters uh, that uh, you can see in the sprite work, right? Like this, there's this huge animation leap forward for the sprites in this game, uh, whereas it, it, previous games had uh, sprites differentiated between what they look like on the world map and bigger, more detailed sprites for the battle sequences. Yeah. This game used the same sprites. Yeah, celebration sprite. That's right. So, Strike sprite. Yeah, th- this <laughs> this this game had sprites for... for it's so much more. Yeah, one set of sprites for overworld and for battle sequences, and these sprites uh, had double the amount of color mm-hmm. as previous sprites uh, and 40 unique frames of animation. So Characters could do things like wink, they could laugh, they could point. Oh, yeah. Kafka's laugh, Kafka's famous laugh, yeah. And for the first time ever, the world was the world map was rendered in mode 7, which we all know Super Nintendo. Yeah, man. When you get up into something flying, it'll rotate around. In some scenes, it shows that. Even the openings. You have the isometric top-down view when you're walking around the world map, but when you get into an airship or you get on a Chocobo, it gives you that faux 3D mode 7 look so that you're pivoting around the map. I remember playing Here's it. Here's the map. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Here's something funny about the map. They had lots now, of really cool effects on that. If you got this game at the time, there's no such thing as spoilers at this time. You could not spoil anything because nobody used that word. That wasn't a thing. So you would get this, and then you'd turn it over for the biggest spoiler in the game. That the world, the world of destruction. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Which was still awesome 
and a great moment in the game and, and shocking for how it came out. But uh, just to, just a little reminder there to chill out a little bit because you can still enjoy something sometimes, even if you know what's going to happen. This was definitely a thing, though. With I mean, think of Link to, pa- uh, Link to the Past with the mm-hmm. two worlds. Like This was a totally. thing where you get to this ca- cataclysmic event in a Final Fantasy game where, uh, you know, or you, you sometimes leave the Earth altogether, right? But where there's this entire different map. Um, but yeah, this game was pretty brutal. And it was such a great moment. It's you lose the game. you lose your bearings and then yeah. all of your friends. Well, yeah. it's such a crazy thing for a Final Fantasy game to do because Final Fantasy prior to six had been a very Tolkien inspired, very like standard fantasy sort of adventure in each iteration. Final Fantasy VI sort of did away with all of that and introduced the idea of this like steampunk motif that you would see again in games like Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy XII, Final Fantasy VIII. Like this sort of blend between technology and magic. And Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger too. Um, So it was heavily influenced by this like steampunk idea and then also it did things narratively that Final Fantasy never would have done before. You've got a character that attempts to commit suicide. You've got a character that dies in the middle of the game through an optional event. We talked about Shadow, right? Yeah. Uh, you've got a, a villain who poisons an entire town and then wins in the middle of the game. Like, <laughs> and, and another- Kefka becomes a god and destroys the earth in this game and you you have to build your party back up in the middle of the game. Like, it's And, and there's wild. another villain that just trolls you throughout the whole game. It's like that squid guy. Yeah, yeah, the pink, the purple guy. Yeah, yeah, that shows up at the opera. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and, and of oh, course there is the opera sequence. Oh, there's, yeah. a, there's a opera lot of, uh, there's, there's the it's touching moments and ones we remember and then there's comedy in it. Yeah. Like there's, well, I mean the opera yeah. sequence is, the opera sequence is really funny because that whole sequence you're just being trolled by i forget his name the the purple squid man yes and 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 the whole time you have to memorize lines which is That's actually right. hard to do and, you have to actually memorize and lines. the presentation the fact that they just did a lot with like oh like yeah. voice samples like the right whole the little part. yeah so great i don't want to leave the yeah. chat out of this conversation since we're live yeah. every True. thursday now at 3 p.m on ign.com and 6 p.m eastern um but uh yeah so zero pulse uh where to go Zero Pulse 32 says, this game is so good. And Jim Norris Slot says, um, I hope this is a regular thing on NVC. Woot woot. People like it, Zach. Yeah, I'll do a Keep good doing job. doing it. Yep. And then Rafa says, um, Zach. Rafa says, that this is the best Final Fantasy without a doubt. I'm with you. Yes. Yeah, and Galpinakis oh. says, I remember playing the original Final Fantasy on NES. And DB4 Johnny says, when will Final Fantasy VI uh, be coming back to Nintendo? Oh man, think so about it. That, we totally Octopath, trolled the audience. Octopath Traveler Engine and FF6, man. Mm-hmm. Come on. Please. That would be really good. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we totally trolled the audience, uh, in the, at the end of the last segment because <laughs> Philip was like, Zach's coming back with a surprise about Final Fantasy VI. And we were all like, oh, oh no, no. nothing. <laughs> no, no announcements for VI but coming to this. If we were Switch. to get Final Fantasy VI back, I think a Game Boy Advance, uh, just the port of that one would be the one that people probably The Game want. Boy, so. It's hard though. That's that, that's actually a really good transition point because uh, this game is obviously lauded, critically uh, loved, commercially successful. Um, it's been released 11 times, right? Re-released <laughs> yeah. 11 times since it was released on the Super Nintendo. Uh, notable releases include the uh, Game Boy Advance version, which uh, they went back through and relocalized the game and fixed a lot of the sort of clunky dialogue in some sequences. Yeah, uh, they so, took out some exploits, which I actually really like. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of torn. Is that level 99 exploit taken out of that one? I don't know. 
that was an interesting one. Yeah. If, if you grind as Celeste or Celes, I don't know how to say her. Nobody knows Celeste. Uh, if you grind as her before you get your party back after the end of the world and get her to 99, then everybody in your party will be 99 because it sets them to whatever her, her level is. So if you've it's got the OCD right. and you want to do that, it would take uh, the Vita a long was time. Too, right? Vita version was good. Uh, the PlayStation, uh, the first, version of the place uh, on a PlayStation platform was in Final Fantasy Anthology where it featured FMV cut sequences or cut mm-hmm. scenes that were based on Amano's design. Some of them are really cool. They sort of doubled the amount of uh, cinematics because you'd see this like FMV cutscene and then it would show you the Super Nintendo version of that scene as well. I I and you first, first played yeah. this game on PlayStation, so I remember the Opera FMV uh, very well. Oh, um, interesting. Terrible load times on PlayStation though. Uh, kind of for a cart-based game, bringing it over to the disc meant that they added in load times. The same deal with the Chrono Trigger uh, yeah, release yeah. on PlayStation. Um, so if you can play it on a cartridge, I think you're right, Sam. I think the the either the version that's on uh, the SNES Classic, which is just traditional Final that's Fantasy three, or the GBA version is the way to go. Um, and then of course uh, another notable version was the PC slash mobile version that was released a few years ago, which is actually the last time I played it. That features awful sprites terrible like weird washed out sprites and really gross um menu text mm-hmm. um which you can't change and, yeah. and i i uh, know people don't like that version but mechanically it should work on any system it should work mm-hmm. on a phone because you're just choosing right. menus so that's disappointing yeah it is really disappointing uh last thing that i want to say about this game because i know we're we're running into long territory here but uh the sort of lineage of this game uh, carried over to the Nintendo 64 in the Briefly. right in <laughs> the Silicon Graphics demo. Yeah. Uh, so we actually have a couple of screens that we're going to run here. But um, cool. Silicon Graphics rebuilt Final Fantasy VI. Here we go. You're seeing some of this stuff here. Rebuilt Final Fantasy VI on the Nintendo 64 hardware in a graphical demo. Like this is what a Final Fantasy game would look like on Nintendo 64. Uh, and then of course. This, this is got before s- the Nintendo 64. Right, though. yeah. So, yeah, we, I, I was already covering Nintendo at that time, and like we all firmly believed the, the N64 was the next logical step for Square to take Final Fantasy. And so that was obviously, you know, we saw this demo. When you look at it now, it kind of looks really lame, but this was the first time you saw the Final Fantasy characters in that kind of like 3D rendered in that cutesy style and all mm-hmm. that. We were very excited for it. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly there was the whammy that the franchise would go to the PlayStation. That's right. Obviously yeah. big because of the CD format. That's right. Yeah. Sony ultimately won out because of the format that they adopted for Final Fantasy seven, uh, which is the game that introduced me to Final Fantasy and encouraged me to go back and play all these fantastic games. Um, yeah, that, that, there was a feud. Like Nintendo and Square, like a that blood was, feud. It was dramatic. Yeah. Know? I mean, it was, you know, Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest were associated with, uh, Nintendo systems and yeah. then suddenly they weren't. It, well, that's it why it was crazy. such a big deal when those re-releases started making their way to GBA, right? Yeah. Like it was an important the, thing for Nintendo to have Final Fantasy on Crystal Chronicles. It was a huge, it was a huge shift. You know, Dragon Quest was much bigger than Final Fantasy in Japan. Rockway. Huge, huge franchise, franchise for that to be gone. And for a while it looked like Enix wouldn't even be on the system. They did, they released Mischief Makers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, UK, UK troublemakers in Japan. And, and there, that was like, oh, 
Enix is back. Now maybe we'll get Dragon Quest and, you know, it never Still materialized. Like that, that was a huge, huge shift for the Nintendo platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we got to wrap up, but, uh, in closing, I, can you guys just tell me a little bit about what you remember most or what you love about Final Fantasy VI? Yeah, I mean, for me, it, uh, I was way into RPGs by the time it came out because I loved Final Fantasy One, and I really liked playing it with a strategy guide when mm-hmm. I was really young. Final Fantasy One, so I was really excited for two, which was four, and then I was like out of my mind excited for three, which was six, and then what number was seven? <laughs> here's what's funny: is do you know what the actual follow up for Final Fantasy Three was in the United States? It was Mystic Quest. Mystic Quest, uh, yeah. So there was a, a totally forgotten and like kind of uh, reviled game, but it was an RPG made by Square for Western audiences. Mm-hmm. Dum dums, yeah. And, uh, and 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 so I was even excited for that. And in that time, like Final Fantasy was was just overwhelmingly cool, and my friends liked it, and right. it was like just a big hit. And that was uh, surprising because the previous Final Fantasy games had been, you know slowly been growing in popularity, and then seven was so big. A game that you've still not played. I've never played, played it, yeah. yeah. I, and, and I'm not, I, I'm interested historically, but even at the time and now, like I was, I was, you know, a Nintendo fan and I was like, you know, miffed that they went sure. through. Really? Yeah. I was, I never bought a PlayStation. I, you know, I was a little like, I like Final Fantasy 7 as well, but I was a little left, let down because I really liked that, that, the grid approach, like the, the way you explored a building and the, the way the, uh, you know, the caves weren't organic, like they yeah. were all on this kind of like map system. Uh, and I felt like some of that, some of that feel was lost with FF7, but you know, obviously great story in that one. Um, no, the things I remember, first of all, the music is fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of you the know, best I, music I, in game ever you know yeah. four and five have, have absolutely beautiful soundtracks some of the later games as well but i i really have a soft spot for for six i think the opera scene is just uh, really really cool and then that game did so much with effects and overlays like if you remember it had an entire like cinematic scene of the of the mechs walking mm-hmm. with it snowing yep. and, yeah and the music seven. kicking and they did a lot yeah they did a lot with that that music and that theme is just so beautiful and you know that was like technologically one of the best looking games in the world at the time yep. right? and Donkey Kong Country came out after that and like N- Nintendo was at the top of their game and a, a leader in you know having great graphics Yeah, and I think we think of it now as oh sprites and it's old school but like it was it's notably technologically amazing at the time. It's some of the best sprite work Ever, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and just, ahead on of any RPG on the market at the time, right? I mentioned Dragon well, Quest. Dragon Quest looked like a generation behind. It still Final looked Fantasy. like Dragon Quest, and, and this didn't look like anything else. At this point in time, Square had released a bunch of Final Fantasy games, but they still weren't this like home run, like household gamer like company, right? Like nobody, like Square wasn't huge yet. Right, and this game helped put them on the map. Not as much as Final Fantasy VII, but this game Seven in the U.S. for sure. Yeah, yeah. this game certainly uh, the the pedigree of this game and the the, the lineage, the legacy of this game really helps people to to recognize Square as a powerhouse developer. And uh, to me, the way that I experienced this game post Final Fantasy VII, you know, I, I playing Final Fantasy VII as my first JRPG ever uh, or RPG in general. I remember thinking like it can't it can't get any better than this. Like this is the best. Uh-huh. Like I love this so much. Mm-hmm. So when I went back and played six and there were so many different things that it, it did and it like you're saying, like it's 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 not an open world game, but it's so much less linear in the way that you can mm-hmm. choose which party members you're taking and there's moments where you you have these battles that that 
you're controlling three parties at one time and you have to strategically position them on the map or the fact that in the middle of a battle, a, a cutscene just breaks out. Like a cutscene just happens in the middle of a battle. Like yeah. I remember thinking that stuff was so cool and was so baffled. The characters that it, talking. Yeah. Like it yeah. seemed impossible. Which, right? It, just, it yeah. just baffled me that it had come out, you know, so many years before and that it would, the, the, the graphically it looks so primitive at the time, but narratively and gameplay wise, it was so ahead of its time that, that it kind of turned me on to retro gaming, right? Like it was something that, that really interested me and in, in encouraged me to go back and play games that I had missed. That's a good well, it was an important game back then. And I still think it's an incredibly important game and, mm-hmm. you know, piece of gaming history that we need to recognize. So thank you very yeah, much of course. For, for doing that. Yeah. Professor. Very cool. Uh, which leaves us with just, just a few minutes left for question blocks. So if you have any questions, we're doing it live. Drop your questions in the chat and we'll get to as many as we possibly can, but we do only have a few minutes. I was flipping my sheet over looking for um, the but they're yeah. they're not there. Let's do it live. While 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 we wait for uh, questions to come in, I just want to read off a few questions or comments from the chat. Um, Anish Bushka says, "Nostalgia is such a marketable thing these days, especially with people who play games. Why aren't people making game commercials in this style nowadays?" I think he's referring to the commercial the, that, the, that we TV spot. With. Yeah, totally. I think that might actually work well for certain games to yeah. do like a retro, like flashback style. Like, I could see. Commercial. Yeah, ask it, your parents to hook it up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ask your parents if you can play Fortnite now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, All right, I have a question. Yeah, for sure, Zach. In the ancient castle. What is the first treasure chest you can find? The contents of that treasure chest. Oh, uh, that's uh, Phoenix Down. Yeah, you can find Phoenix Down in there. It was pretty close. Yeah, it was a wing edge. Nobody knows. Oh, that. I don't oh, know what a wing edge, edge is. I hope uh, somebody got fired for that blunder. <laughs> oh, here's a good question. I see uh, from W. C. Robinson. Uh, he says, "Do you, you sound think, like a famous author? Do you think that Spiral will come to Switch?" Perhaps later on. I think he's referring yeah, to the recent Switch and or um, PS4 and uh, Xbox announcement. Yeah, I think it'd be more I, likely I, than Crash Bandicoot. Crash Bandicoot is coming to Switch. Yep, that's coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. No, you totally. Okay. That would be the most unlikely game, and this is like much yeah. more likely. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I totally agree. Look, I mean, Spyro obviously was in the Skylanders game, so it's no stranger to the mm-hmm. Nintendo platforms. Uh, and he was never a Sony recently? mascot. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, we, yeah, that's we don't. True too. We don't know anything for sure. We don't know. We don't have any actual. Um, concrete details for you guys, but we can say that IGN has spoken to Activision about it and asked them about the Switch version, and they said uh, that they weren't they were only talking about PS4 and Xbox that day. So let's just go ahead and leave that up to you guys. Take that as you want to take it. Uh, there could be a Switch version on the way. I think they didn't say no. I think yeah, they didn't say no. Talking about it, they didn't say yes. They didn't say no. So. I think if enough Switch owners buy the rodent game, that uh, they yep. will also they'll right. bring the dragon. I game. I would think you'd probably have to buy bad dudes to get the dragon game. Maybe so. Is the rodent game the marsupial game? Is he a marsupial and not a rodent? So, right? A bandicoot. I don't, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Are bandicoots from Australia? Yes. Yes. Then they're then they're definitely marsupials. Here's a quick one from Dingo's uh, from Australia. They're not marsupials. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> okay. Here's a quick one from Nowhere Star Fourteen. Uh, probably dogs. pretty easy. He says Fortnite for Switch. Yay or nay? Nay. Zach's a hater. Uh, what about you, Sam? No, I, I like <laughs> Fortnite. I just don't think it's coming to Switch. You don't think it's coming no. to Switch? Uh-uh. Uh, I mean, if it's on phones. It's going to come to Switch. I yeah. think so too. It's too big. I think it's too big. Here's yeah. the thing about Fortnite is that it was made on an engine that can scale down to phones. Yeah. Like that is so much of the work done for you already that it's, it's this ultimately scalable game. Um, you know, Switch doesn't have anything stopping it from being on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's going to come. 
I think it would be very silly for them to skip the Switch. I mean, the limitation is like, you know, portable console and online multiplayer games is kind of tough to be playing on, on the bus, but, um, I, I think it'll still come. Yeah, but you could totally play the, uh, Single player mode of Fortnite. <laughs> right. No, nah, I'm kidding. Did we run that poll about whether Crash Bandicoot's a marsupial or not? Yeah, can we get that up? <laughs> we don't I'm need going. a poll for that. It's a fact. <laughs> the rodent. Uh, okay, here's, uh, here's one last question from the chat. And this one is from, let's take it from, oh man, all of your chat names are amazing. Bingo, bing bong. Yeah. yeah. You gotta find <laughs> one that's safe. Uh, blue, Bingo, bing bong, the Game of Thrones character. Yeah. Blue Cow, Cowlin with an, too, too many W's and Y's for no reason. Um, he asks, uh, do you think Nintendo will announce themes at E3? Themes. So that, themes as in theming your like, system. Like PlayStation themes. Theme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't see why they wouldn't announce themes. I, I, I personally, I don't, I don't care about themes. You know, like I've never themed my PlayStation or any other yeah. Nintendo consoles that I've had. You should look at so. Brendan Graber's Undertale theme for his PS4. It's amazing. Try not to look at Brandon Gray. <laughs> actually, he walled off his area right now because he's playing a secret game. I could That's see true. this one be one of those. And, you know, we are releasing the new firmware update and you're going to do this and this and this and themes are part of it and you can download it right now. That feels like a Nintendo thing to do during E3. I would, totally. I would actually kit out my Switch with a, uh, Mario plus Rabbids theme. Yeah. Cause I love that world. But I think you're it's gonna very have goofy. to buy a lot of copies of Bad Dudes if you want Nintendo <laughs> to theme the Switch. That's right. I think Nintendo's going to want to do something to stir up um, the crowd during E3 time, so it would be wise for them to release something like an, a significant update yep. yeah. just before like online launches in September. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So E3 might be the time to sort of get the ball rolling on some stuff like themes and you know all the other things we've been asking for. Themes, so. themes. memes, dreams, and beans. Beans. <laughs> Colorful controllers. Hopefully they're all there at E3. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's our show this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. We're a weekly show on IGN.com. Weekly live show. Every Thursday. Exactly. Weekly live show. What Every time? Thursdays at 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. Oh. Yes, I just learned my timetables. Um, but you can also still catch us every Friday on YouTube.com slash Nintendo Voice Chat and your favorite podcast listening services as well. My name has been Philip Mewson. Okay. Yes. I, I'm trying new things here. I'm not yeah, trying yeah. new things. My name is still Pear Schneider. It's still Pear Schneider. Yeah. I'm assuming my name will always be Zachary Ryan. <laughs> I'm going to go with Umaro. Umaro. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Thank you guys very much for catching us. Uh, if you were here live, we love you. If Thank you weren't, you. we still love you. But uh, yeah, come watch the live show on IGN.com next time. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Here we go. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.